So let's pray together, and then we're going to move forward. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this preaching moment, and I pray that you will speak to us in your word. Now, Lord, I bind the hand of the enemy that would keep us from hearing it, that will keep us from doing it. And I loose today a spirit in the room, the grace to respond to the word that you speak. Now, Lord, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I told you that the seven habits that we're looking at that will help mature us would be number one, the word, number two, prayer, then there's confession of sin and fellowship, then there is service and spiritual covering. Those are the seven things that I'm sure that there are a whole bunch more because, of course, we could always add um, spiritual disciplines in that list. Things like giving, well, that'll go under service, but things like fasting. Fasting will help you. Uh, stuff like being silent in the presence of the Lord. Silence. Contemplative thought is crucial in your development, okay? Contemplative thought says that I sit down and I think about how good the Lord has been. I think about what I sense he's saying to me to go forward. I cut off everything. Sometimes quietness works. In our society, we don't do well with being quiet. We always got to have something in the background. So those are some of the things that also help us as well. Spiritual cover, oh, and stewardship. I missed that, I missed that one on mine. Okay, so today I'm going to try to cover <laughs> in 35 minutes two, which I know it's not going to happen, so this will probably, we'll finish it up next week. Two, I want to cover today confession of sin and fellowship. I want to try to get those covered today. So let's jump in and let's see what happens. All right, so listen. Confession of sin is so important to the maturity of the Christian. It is just as important, hear me, confession of sin is just as important, um, uh, how, how can I say it, to a human body having bowel movement, okay, or to the human body washing. It's a cleansing. Confession of sins cleanses. <laughs> Confession of sins will cleanse you. Okay? I keep saying that because I want you to hear it. As it relates to the body, as it relates to a human, the human flesh maturing, we realize that if you do not eliminate, you get septic. Am I right? Am I saying that right? Nurses, am I saying that right? Septic. You get septic if you don't eliminate. Maybe. You get backed up, you get bloated. Somehow or another, something ain't gonna be right. So however that works in there, I'll be trying to be all official and stuff. You know what it is when you can't go, okay? You get uncomfortable. Confession of sin helps you relieve burden, helps you wash yourself. And so confession of sin is important. So I wanna go to the Word and let's look at what the Bible teaches us about confession of sins. Are we going to be able to do all that? Are we going to be able to put it on the screen? We good? Yep. Fantastic. Okay, good. So let's look at 1 John. 
Mm-hmm. Chapter 1, we'll start verse 8, and it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Stop. That is just like saying, I don't get dirty. Okay? It's like, your, it's like little boys who want to run outside and play and be like, I don't need a bath. What, are you kidding me? You smell like the, the, the dog pound. <laughs> what are you saying? You don't need to wash? Or if you say, well, I didn't go anywhere today, and if I don't go outside, I don't need to wash. Well, you stay in the house for four days, check under your arms and see what happens. The text says here, if we say that we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves. Confession of sin is important. You need to write this down because the first thing it does is it allows you to own the fact that you're not perfect. And many people feel like, well, because I don't cuss, because I don't fornicate, because I don't uh, get drunk in the streets, because I don't steal. Hey, I don't have it. I didn't do any of that today, so I don't need to confess. No, no, there's some stuff you need to confess. What about the sins you did and you didn't know that you did it? What about the thoughts that ran across your mind that were sinful, but just because you didn't act on them doesn't mean that they were not there? Sin is first conceived in the mind. You see? So the first thing we got to start doing is confessing our sins. He says, if you think you don't have sins, you deceive ourselves. He says, the truth is not in us if we think that. In other words, you're a liar. But he goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now what happens is, when we confess our sins, it's like God being the great father, or in this case, the great nurturer, the great mother that would come in and say, hey, thank you for saying that to me. You got some issues and some challenges here. Let me take the water of my word. Let me take the water of my mercy and just wash you clean of that. See, the thing that we have to guard against when it comes to uh, confessing sins, that if we don't confess them and start thinking we're not doing anything wrong, we become immune to really what sin is. And then stuff no longer uh, convicts us. You know what I'm saying? The more you cuss, the less you think cussing is wrong. It just becomes a part of your, your vocabulary. I hear people in Walmart, like, cussing they look kids out. I mean, they look kids like this. And it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? But it's what the kid has heard all his life. Because the mama could go all the way down and just say it all, and the kid responds like, I know what all that means. Like, you ain't but three. I've been hearing it for three years. I know what it means. <laughs> so but when we confess, the text says that he is, listen, faithful and just to forgive us. And we need forgiveness. Everybody say, I need forgiveness. Say, I need it every day. I need forgiveness every day. Quit thinking that, that you got, that you good. Quit thinking that. The text says, even on our best day, listen, the text says, for all of our righteousness, all of our good stuff is still but filthy rags in the presence of God. You know what filthy rags is? A dirty tampon. When you translate that, if you study it, that's what he says. It's a filthy rag. 
So think about it. On your best day, we still got to say, Lord, forgive me for this. Forgive me for the stuff that I, I didn't, that I didn't uh, uh, do right. I did, forgive me for missing opportunities. Forgive me for thinking this stuff. Listen, for, for many of us who feel like we don't have sins, that's called the sin of being self-righteous. That you got it all in you. No, every day we confess our sins because he's faithful and he is just to forgive us. Okay? So it, that, that confession thing starts the, uh, the uh, process of cleansing us. When we confess, cleansing starts. All right? Not to mention forgiveness because we do need it every day. Turn over to uh, Psalm. Turn over to Psalm 32. This is David. I love it because David was a guy who had a lot of junk going on in his life. He got a lot of sin in his life. You know, he didn't always make the right decisions, but he goes down in history as being a man after God's own heart. And see, that's, that has to do with the fact that David realized that even though I'm the king, I still got mess in my life. And the mess that I have keeps running me and pushing me back to God. So, so look at what he says here. Verse 1, he says, Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Number one, right here, when we confess our sins, the Lord covers us. All right? He brings that forgiveness. Watch this. Verse 2 says, Blessed is the man. Whom, does, whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 3, when I kept silent, look, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. In other words, when I mess up and I keep it from him, on the inside, I'm a mess. Uh, the message ver version says that my bones turn to dust because I keep that stuff hidden, uh, hidden or keeping it from him. Verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Keep going. And then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you, and you, <laughs> and you, I know you're coming, and you, I'll help it, and you, what, oh, y'all reading the Bible? Y'all got a Bible? Y'all bring your Bibles to church? Get out of here. What does it say? And you what? And you forgave me my, uh, the iniquity of my sin. What he is saying here is that all the time that I held it up, it's almost like God's hand was pressing him down. I didn't tell you what I did. And you don't feel right. I broke the vacuum cleaner one time when I was growing up, broke the vacuum cleaner. And, you know, it was like, who broke the vacuum cleaner? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Never said nothing. And for a long time, it just sat on me. I probably should say something. But then, you know, a few days went by, and 
I forgot. Everybody was happy. Daddy put a new handle on there. It was all good. It wasn't until I was an adult that I said, hey, y'all remember that brown Kirby? <laughs> I broke that handle. But what happens then is when you think you get away with it, but eventually it'll come to the surface and you'll have to say, hey, it was me. And that's what the Lord is saying to us. Confessing our sins helps cleanse us. Confessing our sins helps uh, lift the burden of guilt off of us. Okay, let's go, let's go uh, one more. Do I have one more? Yeah. Watch this. James chapter 5, verse 16. Now, let's be clear that we're talking about confessing our sins to God. But I want to look at this James text because you got to have the balance here that some of our confession is not just to God, it should be to a fellow, a brother or sister in Christ. Okay, watch this. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, let's deal with that because now we have been talking about confessing our sins to God. Now it says confess your trespasses to one another. So let's deal with it. When we start talking about confessing our sins to God, we confess our sins. That word is harmata. It means that we uh, miss the mark. Okay? That is sin. We are wrong. We're just like totally opposite. This word uh, trespasses is also the word that's translated faults, which means a deviation. It means a side slip. Okay? So now, I confess my sins to God, but I also confess my faults to my brother and sister. Stuff like this. Listen, I said some stuff today that I should not have said. I'm telling you because I need somebody to hold me accountable. I'm thinking some thoughts that I should not be thinking. Deviation. It is what's called a transgression. Okay? I ain't totally off of it, but I sideslipped a little bit. Okay? I thought about... I want you to know I had a text conversation with so-and-so. I need to tell you about it so you can hold me accountable. Now, why is this important? Go back. Go back to, uh, uh, go back to uh, the James text, James 5. Why is this important? Because when you confess your trespasses, listen to what the text says. It says, and pray for one another, okay? Here's the, here's the inference that I get. What I get from this text is, when I confess to you, hey, I had a bad day today, I thought some stuff, I said some stuff, I drunk some stuff, I smoked some stuff that I shouldn't have had, and I need you to help me. What should happen right now is that we pray right now. Okay? So you confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. Watch. That healing takes place. That healing takes place. Watch this. The text teaches us, and that's why I know I ain't going to finish because I'm getting ready to trace this rabbit. I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but come on, run with me. The Bible teaches us that he was wounded, watch, for our transgression, right? He was bruised for our iniquity. Watch. There is a difference between transgressions and iniquity. He was wounded 
outside. A wound is on the outside. A bruise is underneath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he was wounded for our transgressions, our sidesteps. When we slip up, he was wounded on the outside. We can pour salve in it, put a Band-Aid on it, and start the healing process. So then the James says, you, you, you tell those things to your friends so they can pray for you and we can get healed. You hear me? But he was bruised for our iniquity. The bruise happens on the inside, under the skin. So then he says, I was wounded for the stuff that you did that's just a little messed up, the bad day you had. But then I was wounded, I was bruised for your inner sin. You hear me? So he got us covered. On the outside, just had a bad day, I went off on somebody. Or even on the inside, this iniquity that's in us, the sin that won't go away, the stuff that you keep doing, the stuff that makes you not be the best you. You hear me? It is that kind of sin that causes you to be your worst enemy. So his blood covers it all. But James is saying when we mess up like that, when we have a transgression, when we just slip out of the way, we, we confess those to one another so that they will pray for us and that we'll be healed. Not just me, but we, both of us, have healing. Because here's the deal. When I tell you, when I say to you, hey, Carlos, I'm having some issues here in my mind. Some stuff that I'm thinking and I know that's not right. Some stuff I'm struggling with. You'll pray for me, but then you'll get stronger because you'll say, let me not let myself go there too. I'm on top of my game. You see what I'm saying? So then when we pray for one another, so then it goes on to say, go back to that please, James, leave it on there for me, James. It says, uh, go to the next one. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hear me clearly. If the text says, Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another so you can be healed. And just know that righteous people get a prayer through. In other words, the stuff that you're confessing, you need to be confessing to righteous people. If you got friends that can't stop and pray for you, they ain't the people you need to be confessing to. Let me go back and say it this way. You ought to have some friends in your life that'll stop and pray with you. If everybody in your life is a heathen, then I will tell you, so are you. You are the sum total of your five closest friends. I'll say it until I die. If I want to see the kind of person you are, I can hang out with the people you hang out with and I don't know how you are. He says, confess it to your friends, but just know this, only righteous people get their prayers answered. So if you need help, <laughs> Don't tell it to somebody that can't pray for you because that's not going to help you. You're not going to get healed. So now we got to start looking at if I'm going to mature, I got to make sure that I got the right people around me. Because you can't tell your issues to, hey man, I'm struggling in this area. Hey man, I'm thinking about doing this. Hey man, I said this today. And they'd be like, whoop, yep, so did I. <laughs> me too. Let's go to the bar and drink it or talk it over, over a drink. What? What? Yeah, happy hour. We can talk over, over happy hour. No, 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 no. I need you to stop and pray for me so I can get healed of this thing. So confessing sin starts this clean, cleansing process. 
We confess our sins to God. When we do, the Bible says he is faithful, which means he is consistently dependable, that he will forgive me of my sin, and he'll cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Listen, see, th this is the kind of stuff that happens in Bible study, we break it down, that he'll cleanse me of my sin, but he'll also, he'll, he'll forgive my sin and cleanse me of unrighteousness. Because just because your sins are forgiven doesn't mean that we walk, step over into righteousness. That has to be washed off of us. You see, that's like when you get in the tub, you get in the tub and you're washing, but there's some stuff like a, a, a magic marker. You don't just put that on the water and think it's going to go away. You got to scrub that a little bit. You see, when he says he's cleansing us, he'll forgive our sins and cleanse us, there's some scrubbing that he has to do. And that's why it's important to confess, because we sometimes just want to be forgiven, but we need to be cleansed. Oh, God. That's good right there. I'll give you this. Forgiveness will make sure you don't go to hell. But being cleansed allows you to be used before you die and go to heaven. See, being cleansed says I get the root of the issue. You see, if, there, if, there's, if there's something in here that causes the water to be discolored, I gotta pour the water out and get down in there and cleanse it so the vessel can hold properly that which it was designed to hold. Y'all with me? So that's what cleansing of unrighteousness is. I am forgiven of my sin, but Lord, I need to be righteous. Help me with, remember the, the, the man, old man, the man said to Jesus when he came to ask Jesus to heal his son, he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because belief and unbelief can stay in the same pot. Okay? Sin and unrighteousness both need to be dealt with. It's a seed. Think about it. You know some people, because of how they were raised, they act the way they do. They don't even really know it's sin. But because it was their environment, it was the thing that's just in them. It was almost taught to be that way. So then we got to deal with root issues. Root issues go in. We got sin that we deal with, but then we got some root issues that causes unrighteousness. So that's why we confess because when we confess to God, it opens ourselves up for God to forgive our sins and to deal with our unclean places. Then we confess to one another so that we'll pray for one another. Be healed. Be healed. Healing comes from revealing. You remember your mama? Take the Band-Aid off after a few days. You need to let the air hit it. So my mom used to say, take the band-aid off so the air can hit to it, get to it. I don't know what the air was going to do. But the air sometimes dries it out, that moisture, so your, your skin can start pulling back together if it was that kind of gash or something like that. And so, so what happens is when we confess one to another, now we put air to it and we're telling somebody, hey, watch over me with this issue. Somebody needs to call me every once in a while. See, see, our problem in the body of Christ is that we want to look perfect. Listen, I ain't telling you to get the mic and say your junk. I ain't saying that. And I'm telling you that you can't tell your faults to everybody. There's some faults you shouldn't tell nobody but Jesus. 
Or then there's some faults that you'll tell the leadership and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you assign somebody to walk with me through this? That everybody can't know everything, but maybe you have one or two good friends that's solid enough to handle your stuff and be honest that they got some stuff too. See, it's hard to tell people your faults when they act like they ain't got none. Mm. You dealing with what? Mm. I hate that. Mm. I hate that. That mm so loaded. Mm. You got time for that. Pray with me. Don't judge me. I'm telling you, I'm struggling here. And I'm bringing it here because I don't want to struggle. I want accountability. Pray with me. Let's get healed so we can move on. Y'all with me? All right. That's that. Good. 12 minutes and 45 seconds. Let's talk about fellowship. This is the thing that's probably going to make me go over into next week. So, we've dealt with confession of sins. Do you have it? You got it? See, if I was in Bible study, I'd say, who got questions about it? I ain't in Bible study. I said, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand because that's not one. Can't do that today. But, you know, if you have some questions about it, you can, you can uh, write them down and give them to one of the, the pastors or elders and we can deal with it. But confession of sin is important to your life. It needs to be a habit. Every day, you need to confess your sins. Now, if you're so good <laughs> that you can't figure none, <laughs> they ain't thinking none, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I've been really good today. Just say, Lord, forgive me for the sins that I've done that I don't know I did. Like, just lying to myself, telling me myself that I didn't sin today. So forgive me for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, all right, so now let's deal with fellowship. Fellowship, the word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. And uh, koinonia is a word that means to share in common, okay? For a Christian fellowship, it, it, it is more... Christian fellowship is more than just attending church. Let me say that like four more times. Let me drink some water so I can be clear. Hold on. I'm dry today. Listen. Christian fellowship, koinonia, is more than just coming to church. Coming to church only does not make you a fellow in the ship. You hear me? Visiting the dock doesn't make you a fellow in the ship. And coming to church is like visiting the dock. I mean, it, listen, it's crucial. Coming to church is crucial. But Christian fellowship is for the mature Christian that understands that it does, just doesn't stop here. Y'all with me? Okay. Uh, Christian fellowship is assimilating into the body of believers, becoming one, listen, in worshiping, loving, caring, and sharing. When we are Christians that fellowship, we assimilate into the body. We become a part of the body. We're just not an appendage that hangs on on Sunday and detaches itself on Monday. Okay, let's deal with it. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says this. Paul writes, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. He says, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Hear me what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, guys, I got some stuff to teach you. 
And I know that when I come to teach you this stuff, it's going to make you better. He says, but don't get me wrong. I'm going to get better when I come because when we fellowship together, there is a mutual faith that encourages and builds both of us up. You see what I'm saying? That's why I say to you, you can't come to church on Sunday and then leave church on Sunday and live an isolated by yourself life because you're not encouraged then. Encouragement comes from the people you interact with that have mutual faith. Some will call it same like faith. It encourages us. But watch this. When you, listen, whatever you have in common with your person you hang out with is what you're going to be encouraged in. Oh, Lord. Okay. If you hang out with the ultimate shopper, you're going to be encouraged to spend money. Come on. If you hang out with weed smokers, you're going to be encouraged to smoke weed. If you hang out with drinkers, if you hang out with whatever, you're going to be encouraged to do that. So that's why you got to hang out with people who believe what you believe. I mean, the spiritual stuff, the godly stuff that you believe. I guess I got to deal with that. That's why Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Remember, I just dealt with this the other week. Make sure you put on a yoke that you're walking with somebody that y'all can agree. If you're telling me that you're a Christian, you need to be hanging with some Christians. Are you telling me, Pastor, that I shouldn't hang with unsaved people? No, that's not what I'm telling you. I am telling you, though, that you need to be hanging. Your whole crew can't be unsaved. And the only time you're around Christians is when you come to church. Your life going downhill. Going downhill. I mean, come on. If I'm trying to eat right, I can't eat, hang out with people who don't. I can't because that's not, that's, I, I need somebody that's going to encourage me to stay on this path. So that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, I want to come hang out with y'all. I want to teach you some stuff. You'll get built. But what I know is when I come, I'll get built up too. Because when we have the same common faith, we both get encouraged. Fellowship is crucial. You don't really fellowship here. You come, we worship together, we hang out a little bit and we talk, but fellowship is when we spend some time together, we go to dinner together. We have, we have small groups together. We spend once a week, we come together to talk and share. I am encouraged when I see the people that's in the 40 and over small group, power group that we have, when I see their comments on Facebook and Instagram, like, wow, I just had a conversation. Malika said, I had just had a conversation about trusting the Lord that blessed me. That's because she was in a small group. So that she could have had the worst day, but her post was at the end of the night, it got better for me because I talked about trusting the Lord. What's on your mind when you go to bed at night? What are you complaining about and fussing about? Well, maybe because you didn't hang out with somebody that maybe, maybe that conversation would have encouraged you. One thing we used to do in Bible study back in the day, we used to do this thing called highs and lows. And I'll never forget the highs and lows, if y'all don't know what it is, we would come in and we, when we would start church before we, we didn't have music or anything like that, we were just doing highs and lows. And it was kind of a spinoff of old school testimony service. But we had to tighten the reins so it wouldn't be old school testimony service. You know, truly, I'd like to thank the Lord, thank and praise the Lord for being here this morning. Not that, but it was, the high would be, tell us one high thing in your week or in your day that we want to praise the Lord with you about. And then tell us one low thing 
that you want us to pray with you about. And so we would do it, and people would just say all their stuff. And I'll never forget one Wednesday night, Keisha Mitchell said, well, I had a low, but when I heard everybody else's low, I realized that I really don't have a low, so I'm just going to give y'all my high. See, sometimes hanging out with people that believe what you believe and just fellowshipping with people will change your perspective on the way your thing is going. You know? Okay. Hmm. All right, let's go. Okay, look at this. Mm. Uh, Matthew 18, 20. We've heard this, but I want us to hear it in this context. We'll keep going in a minute. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So listen, when we fellowship, because we are fellow believers, Christ shows up. That's why fellowship is good, because sometimes we're looking for Jesus in our problems. Jesus, you going to help me? And he was like, I tell you what, hook up with you and your friends tonight. Y'all go get some eating, get some coffee, and just start talking. And I'm going to show up, and at the end of y'all thing, you're going to know I've been there, and I'm going to help you with that. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I come in the midst of that. See, fellowship brings the presence of God where we are. You hear me? That's why you can't be a loner. We miss out on something. I'm going to go for it because I'm going to press this, press this uh, a little bit f- further. Um, okay, watch this. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 15. This is after Jesus was crucified. He had been buried, and now his disciples are, walk, are, are uh, walking down the road. This is the road... Uh, on their way to Emmaus. Now listen, he said, the text says this, so it was while they conversed and reasoned, while they hung out and talked, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So the story goes that the disciples were walking down the road on their way to the city. And as they were talking about everything that had gone on, man, they crucified Jesus. Man, they killed him. I'm a little scared. I don't know what we're going to do. What's the next thing? And while they are just talking together, probably with a lot of questions, probably with discouragement, the Bible says that Jesus rose up on them. The one that they talked about came in their midst. Even at that moment, he was incognito. He had a hood on. They didn't know he was had on the hoodie. Jesus had on a hoodie. They didn't know who he was. And Jesus was like, as they was walking, Jesus was like, hey, tell me, uh, what y'all talking about? And they was like, what? You don't know what we, you didn't know about so-and-so and so? And they start telling the story of Jesus Christ. And when they got to the house, they said, hey, why don't you stay and eat with us? And it was when he broke the bread to start eating, they was like, is you. Because sometimes when we hang out with people, fellowship with one another, we come to a common place where we all recognize this is Jesus. Somebody will say something or do something, and Jesus will be like, I'm here. You hear what I'm saying? When my friends come to town, we sit around the table and we talk and we laugh and we cut the food, but it never, it never fails that at one moment, God shows up in the room, and we'd be like, y'all feel him? He'd be like, yep. And we get to prophesying, get to encouraging one another, and then we go back to cutting the food. It never fails. Like, we got this thing now called, uh, 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 what is it? What is it? The airplane thing. Oh, 
can't think about it. Um, jet stream. We got to get, and so in, in our group, when we're encouraging each other, hey, it's been a rough day, somebody put in the, hey, just jet stream. And it was because we were, I was prophesying to them about what I sensed the Lord in their life. And they was like, oh my God, I see that. And, and some stuff happening right now in their lives as a result of us coming together. I want to encourage you, get with godly people, hang out, cut the food, play taboo. Don't be like me, my friends don't want to play taboo with me because I'm good. That's why I'm good. I'm good. I win. I win. Ain't nothing wrong with a little holy competition in Jesus' name. I wins. Let, let, let the record show I wins. But I don't like foolishness on my team, though. Don't, don't say nothing stupid. Then I got to confess my faults. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now, go over to Acts 2, please. <clears throat> X2, do I, hear, do I hear a challenge coming up somewhere? I hear a lot of chatter over here. Is there a challenge? Yes, a taboo challenge? Oh, listen, Vince. Okay, we're going to have to turn Vince's house into a taboo hall. <laughs> okay, now look, look at this Acts 42. This is really cool because this is the start of the church. If you ever want to see what the church was like when it started, read Acts, okay? So what happens is in the, uh, in the synoptic gospels, we see Jesus working, okay? In the gospels period, we see Jesus working. Matthew, Mark, uh, Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we see Jesus working in the midst of the people. We see God's presence among the people, all right? At the end of those, we see Jesus is crucified. He goes back to heaven, and he says, listen, I'm going to the house, but I'm going to send a comforter, and that's the Holy Spirit. When he sends the Holy Spirit, Luke in Acts, Luke's right, Luke writes the book of Acts. It is a continuation of the gospel of Luke, okay? So oftentimes you'll hear theologians call it Luke-Acts because it's, it's really one, one message, but he is writing a story, Luke is, to this guy named Theologian. The Theophilus. And as he's writing the story, it shifts from what we see in the Gospels where Jesus is working, but now we see what the Holy Spirit is doing in Acts. What happened in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is the Holy Spirit coming to life in the earth. Now the church is being birthed, and the church is birthed through the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we see in the first, first church. We talk about hours or maybe days in. Here's how the church operated. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. So first of all, the way the church operates, this is the Holy Spirit now. The way we see the Holy Spirit in the church is that they do what the apostles teach. They fellowship. They eat together. They pray for each other. That's what should be happening. Listen, I would venture to say a bunch of the stuff that we call church today ain't church. Because it doesn't have this. What are you saying, Pastor? We got to do it just like this. What I'm saying is this is the pattern. So we should have the pattern in the modern day context. It ain't church just because you come together on a Sunday and don't talk to each other no more. That does not make us a church. Let that soak in. 
So for some of y'all, you shouldn't say you go to church. For some of y'all, you should say, I go to a gathering on Sundays. Because there's others of us who hang out together during the week, we go to power groups, we check on each other, we email, what's going on? And next thing you know, it's gathering time again. The church really happens during the week. The gathering happening happens on Sunday. And some of y'all just come together. Oh, pastor, you trying to come against me? Yes. Yes, I'm coming against you because you need to change your ways. You need to start looking like the church of the living God and just stop coming to gather on Sunday that makes you feel good about you. Oh, speaking of, let's go to verse 43. Then the fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Watch this and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Keep going. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. See, we ain't doing nothing. The first church started, they went to church every day. They gathered in the temple every day. But watch the separation though. They together, he says, daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread, house to house, they ate food with gladness and Simplicity of heart. They came to church every day. God forbid. God forbid if we call church every day. What are you talking about? Church every day? You want me to come to church every day? You want God to bless you every day? Suppose God did that, though. Suppose God's thing was, I tell you what, you do it to me, I do it back to you. You take the lead. Ain't you glad God ain't like us? Well, maybe just like me. Because I would be like, hey, doc, it got to be one for one. You come to church, I bless you. <laughs> you work for me, you serve me, I'll bless you. Hey, it's a one-to-one. We should be okay with that. It's called pay. But that's not how God operates. God blesses us oftentimes when we don't even deserve it. That's called grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. So they, they came together every day, but watch, they were so in that they started selling their stuff to make sure the people who were in their group, who weren't on the same level, would be on the same level. Now, I will tell you, to me, this is the first picture of welfare. Welfare. Remember now, welfare system is, y'all take our taxes and give it to the people who need. That's biblical. See what I'm saying? Now, does the system need to be touched and tweaked? Evans, yes. But now we got our Republican brothers and sisters who, they don't want that. Well, I will tell those same evangelicals, let's visit the text. Maybe they're not a part of the church because of the way we treat them. Maybe they would be a part. But here's what I like. I like the fact that when we come together with one accord and fellowship, something happens on the inside of us. And we start saying, I want to make sure you got everything you need. Here's what's amazing to me. People in the church had enough property and stuff to sell to still live and meet the needs of other people. Come on. That, that amazes me every time I read it. Because we want to think that these are just people who didn't have much, you know. These people had enough to say, hey, I'm, I, I'll sell that spot of land over there that I got over there on Camel Way. 
I'm going to sell mine. You're going to sell yours? Okay, I got a couple of uh, valuable pots that I can sell in here. And, and what we could do is make sure that uh, Mary and them have what they need. They had a heart to do it. But not only did they have a heart to do it, they had the possessions to do it. Sometimes I wonder, what came first, the possessions or the heart? I wonder, God, did you give them the heart? And then because they had the heart, then you gave them the possessions? Sometimes that's what I believe. I believe. Why do, why do you say that, Pastor? Because he gives seed to the sower. If your heart is to give away, he'll make sure you have to give away. The text only mentioned those who didn't have because they wanted to talk about the unity that the people said, we'll sell what we had to give to people. The text didn't even talk about poor people because that wasn't the main deal. The main deal was real Christians that fellowship together say, I love you enough to sell what I have to make sure you have what you need. That was the first century church. They fellowshiped. They, they, they listened to the word and they lived it. They fellowship, they pray, they eat together. Listen, we got to stop this whole, I don't want to hang out with none of them church people. You know I don't do them. Get over yourself. Grow up. As a matter of fact, that attitude tells me that you ain't saved. What? What? Pa pastor, you, now pastor, you just made that up. No, I didn't. Watch this. I'm right here at it too. 1 John 1, 7. I love the word. Because if you get in the word, you'll start letting this word be the measuring tool to your life. Listen, when I study this stuff sometimes, I'm like, Lord, I am not who I think I am. Compared to your word. Here's one. Watch it. John writes, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light... Watch this. We have fellowship with one another. Stop. Wait. Read that again, John. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with each other. What are you saying? John is saying he is in the light. And as a result of him being in the light, if we get in the light, we'll fellowship. So what are you saying? If I don't fellowship, John's like, yo, there it is. The way we know that you're in the light is the fact that you fellowship. Watch. And the blood of his son, or of Jesus Christ, his son, watch what it says, cleanses us from all sin. Wait a minute. Now you're telling me a part of the cleansing of my sin has to do with fellowship? What? Here's why. If my arm has a cut. It is the flow of blood in my arm that helps bring about healing. Okay? So here's what healing, here's what the blood does. The blood carries oxygen to everything our body needs, but it also takes toxins out of the body, runs through the kidneys as a filter, and then it starts that cycle over again. You get what I'm saying? So the blood is necessary because if I have an infection here, it's going to pull these toxins out of my body, run them through my kidney so I can flush it out. You hear me? But if I detach this arm laden with, with issues and challenges, if I detach it, 
the arm will not live because it does not have a blood flow. What he is saying here is when you get together, it produces a blood flow that helps you get rid of sin. <laughs> go back, go back, go back to it again. Go back to it again. Uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanse our sins. So then if you are in the light, you get together with other people who are in the light, blood flows and it helps us get better. Some of the reason why your life ain't flourishing is because you're separate from the body. And there's no washing of the blood. There is no blood flow. There is no pumping. That's why the heart is so crucial because it's the heart that moves the blood through all of the attachments. And as long as I'm attached, cleansing happens. Y'all with me? So it's really, it's interesting to me because I really hear John saying this, that guys, if you say you're Christians, you should be fellowshipping with one another. Why? Because that's what Christ does. So what you're saying, John, if I'm not a fellowship, if I'm not in fellowship, he says, hey, you, yeah, you see it. Fellowship is crucial to our salvation. Everybody say that to me. Fellowship is crucial to our salvation. Yes. Yes. I tell people all the time, Christianity is a communal faith. If you want a religion that is all about you by yourself, then... Uh, who is that? That's the, who is that with the fat guy? Buddhist. That's your thing. So you get by yourself, you get quiet, and you try by yourself to achieve all of the rungs that have been set. And then when you miss one of the rungs that have been set in your spiritual walk, you start over. See, I don't want that. I don't like that. I need Jesus that first of all, I need somebody that's going to say that I can do all things through him. So that way I ain't by myself trying to get to that wrong. And when I mess up, he don't make me start over. He is faithful and just to forgive me for my sins, cleanse me and say, okay, gone from here. But their faith that you do this stuff on your own. We are not that faith. Can you, Vince, can y'all... Can you focus in on my mouth, my face? <laughs> you guys zoom in? This <laughs> is like, what are you talking about? We, Christianity, is not the faith where you isolate yourself. Come on, when the world was formed, if you believe that God formed the world, you got to believe that God formed it in conjunction with the triune Godhead. Let us make man. The text says that when he stepped out, it was nothing. Darkness hovered over the face of the deep. And then the Holy Spirit started moving when God said the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So now we have God, now we have the Holy Spirit, now we have Jesus the Son, but then we go on in Proverbs and we found out that wisdom, the Bible says, was there when he created 
the world. Now we find. Now, for those of you that want to step, step on the fact, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all men, okay, I'm down with you. That's fine. Then there's wisdom who the text personifies as a woman. Wisdom was also there. So even God, in the context of fellowship, created all of this. What makes you think you can live your life by yourself? If God created the world in the context of fellowship, come on. He spoke it. Then he went to man and said, let us make man. And so everything else he spoke, when he came to man, he touched man. So men, mankind, needs to be touched. That's why we have to come together. He says, I want to make sure you understand this, man, so I'm going to kill you again. And then bring a woman out. Fellowship. Listen. So that means in the context of humanity, in order for fellowship to happen, somebody got to die. In, order for, in, in the context of fellowship, some people are brought forth. Come on. I'm talking deeper than what you're hearing. He says, I need you to know it's not good for you to be by yourself, so you got to die so she can come. So in the context of fellowship, there are people who die to themselves. I don't want to do this, but there are people who need the fellowship so that I can become. Come on. That's why, that's why, that's why I, I teach married couples all the time. When, when it's time for y'all to come together, you need to understand that when God made man, he gave him a job. So we are productive oriented. We meet another dude, we say, what do you do? When God created a woman, he gave woman a relationship. So when women meet, most of the time they say, are you married? Do you have kids? Because they're relational. You see? So now God says, I need you to be better, Adam. So I'm going to put you to sleep. I'm going to hush your productivity for a few moments. And I'm going to bring in somebody who's relational. So fellowship causes some stuff to die and causes some stuff to live. It's crucial. It's not good for man to be alone. So why you keep hanging out by yourself? Why you feel like it gets on your nerves to have to hang out with somebody? You need to grow up in Christ. If you walk in light as he is in the light, then we'll have fellowship. As a result of that fellowship, blood cleanses us. Some of my cleansing comes from hanging out. Fellowship. Come on, y'all looking at me real crazy. I'm going to be finished. I'm done because I got so much more to say than that, but I'm just going to leave it alone right here. Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that you got two more habits that you need to add to your life. Confess your sins and fellowship one with the other. We We have stuff here at our church designed to help you fellowship. It's called power groups. They meet every other week. It don't even take every week. It's every other week. But you say you got too much to do. You too busy. Well, I'm going to start being too busy because my first question is about to be, when you call me, Pastor, can I get on your schedule? What group are you in? Because that's going to help some of your issue. And I keep saying to do that, but you know me, I'm a loving, kind pastor. I'm just like, okay, we'll talk. But the question is, what group are you in? And I'm almost about to get to this place where don't waste my time if you're too busy to invest yours. 
You so busy. I got this. I got that. See, the problem with the first church or the thing about the the example that we see in the first church, they were not self-absorbed. We are self-absorbed. I got this to do. My kid got this. My kid got that. Everything else is secondary. But when your life falls apart, you come to God. You run to the church. Well, what could keep your life from uh, falling apart is that you make your fellowship a priority. Why? Because Christ said so. I just feel like my marriage is falling apart. Who y'all hang out with? Who y'all hang out with from the church? You do know we got a, a married power group. Do y'all hang out with them? Oh, wow. What? You can't see Jesus in your marriage because you don't hang out with nobody. And where there's two or three gathered together in my name, I show up. So Jesus be over there at the Brian's house on every other Friday. You want to know where he is? Go over there. Don't call me. Because I'm going to tell you, hey, I don't know where he is today, but I can tell you where he will be every other Friday. (laughs) Go over there. And that's just not, that's not ethereal. That's from being there. I've been there and we fussed on the way to church, on on the way to group. And leave there not fussing. I ain't say we all happy, we just not fussing. (laughs) Jesus has showed up. He got a little release. The blood has flowed. You hear me? You got to get connected. You got to get connected. And here I am struggling. I'm struggling with adding Bible study back. But then I'm like, if I add Bible study back, Pastor Mercedes and people ain't going to come to, uh, to uh, power groups because, you know, they ain't going to come out. But once a night, that's just stupid. Because we want Jesus to show up every day. And we're praying for this. I need you here today, Lord. I need you here on this interview. I need you here in this meeting today, Lord. I need you here in, my class, in the class today. I need you with my kids today, Lord. We need him every day, but we only give him once or twice a week. And so now we have to be like, oh, we may not need to do that because nobody's going to show up. Because we're self-absorbed. I don't do church stuff if I got something to do at home. Shame on you. Shame on you. Oh, but Jesus, I love you, Jesus. He said, you can't love me, man. I lay some stuff out in my word. You want a right now word from me. You want a prophetic word from me, but you won't do what I've written for you. You got specific prayers about what's my purpose. I'm going to do a series on that soon. Purpose. What's my purpose? And he's like, why should I tell you your purpose when you won't do what I've already written out for you? There's no need for us to talk about nothing else. Don't come talk to me about Jordans when I told you to clean up your room. Or when am I going to get the Jordans? I told you to clean up your room. That's written. Do what's written, and then we'll talk about what's felt. Man, I'm preaching good today. Y'all be quiet and stuff in here. Y'all be quiet. Every once in a while, you should clap, stand up, wave, let me know I'm all right. Because I'm feeling me. If you ain't feeling me, I'm feeling me. And I know the Holy Ghost is here, but sometimes y'all a little bit too quiet for my liking. We just need to change some culture in here. I need somebody to holler every once in a while. Okay. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the Lord wants to do more in your life. And you got to stop escaping and wondering how, wondering why. The Lord said, I'll reveal it when you get in the group. 
even despondent the disciples were on the road, he still showed up. So I ain't talking about you got to be shouting and speaking in tongues. Just come together and be like, whoo, I had a bad day. I really don't feel like seeing y'all, but I'm expecting Jesus to show up today. <laughs> it happens. But he'll come. He'll come. Remember, after he was killed, the disciples were up in the upper room, afraid in John. And he didn't even open the door, walked through walls to get to them because they were together. Jesus will break mountains. He'll walk through walls if you're willing to get together. Let's stand.